Meaning for the Moon. I am Taylor Bledsoe. And I am Maddie Henry. And on this podcast, we're interviewing interesting people from a teenage perspective. That's right. And today we will be interviewing Mr. Zach Johnson, who is a famous PGA golfer and has 12 PGA Tour wins to his name. Plus, he won the 2007 Masters and the 2015 British Open. More recently, in 2020, he has been announced as the vice captain for the Ryder Cup. So, here's the interview. All right, welcome, Mr. Zach Johnson, to this interview. Thank you so much for letting us interview you today. It's great to have you on. It's good to be on. No, it's good to see you guys. Uh, appreciate how you guys are going about this. This is kind of cool, especially for your generation. Uh, yes, sir. An honor. No problem. Thanks so much. So you are a PJ golfer, and you've been playing for over like 20 years now, and you've won 12 PGA Tour wins, the 2007 Masters, the 2015 British Open, and are now just got announced the 2020 Vice Captain for the Ryder Cup which is amazing. So Thank you. you are, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. So you are very well known for your laser focus um, while you golf. Could you tell us how you keep your focus and your nerves so well during the Ryder Cup and other oh, cups? And other cups? Yeah, well, that's, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think it's one of those situations, obviously the more you're in any experience, you know, the better off you can perform and certainly the more comfortable you become in those experiences and those, I guess you'd say difficult and trying times. Right. Um, but I remember I go back to my first Ryder cup experience. Um, you know, I think, I think if you can, if you can play good golf, if you can execute and stay focused in the most extreme of difficult difficulties, specifically a Ryder cup or a presence cup or a major for that matter, you know, you can do it anywhere. And I remember going back to my first and I remember, you know, uh, playing the practice rounds. I remember um, listening to some of my peers who had played in a few prior to me, et cetera. And the w couple things that I took away from it, uh, number one, and I think this goes for probably anything, any endeavor that you're, you know, starting to, you know, get into is, um, you know, I, I, earned, I earned my spot on that team for all the right reasons. I mean, I earned it. And so my point is just because I'm on this big stage, just because there's probably a little bit more gravity to that, to the situation, it doesn't mean I need to change anything of both my golf game and who I am. In other words, whatever got me there will work there. Um, so I don't have to change just based on the fact that it, it's a little bit more demanding. It's a little bit, uh, you know, I would say, nerve wracking, um, and that kind of thing. So I, I really went back to my basics. I mean, I, I went back to what I, what I, in, in those difficult times, you have to go back to what got you there. And for me, it's the fundamentals. It's, it's my routine. It's everything that I can control. I can't control specifically where that ball is going to end up. Um, once I tee it up and I hit it, I mean, I have, I practice to try to get, <laughs> to try to have some sort of consistency, but after that, I really can't control it. So I go to my keys, you know, I, I, I focus on my breathing. I focus on my cadence. So the way I walk, I focus on where my eyes are. I can control that. And then I focus on 
the specific nuances of my routine each and every shot, each and every putt. And if I focus on those things that I can control, usually the outcome kind of takes care of itself. Now, again, it's not, it's not going to be exactly where I want it, but that's, it's not an exact science. Um, it's a sport. So um, if I were to answer your question in the simplest form, Taylor, it would be control the controllables and everything else will take care of itself. So basically you go back to your fundamentals when you get into these tough, high stress spaces. <clears throat> Absolutely. You know, I mean, everybody swings it different. Everybody uh, kind of goes about their work a little bit different, but when it comes down to the very true basic fundamentals, the foundation of, of your golf game, that's all you can rely on. Right. And, and, and again, I, I that's what I ingrained. That's what I've ingrained in my body and in my eyes and in my, in my hands. Um, so there's no reason to introduce something different. There's no reason to, um, you know, I would say get caught up in the fact that, Hey, look, look what's, you know, look where you're playing and what, who you're playing against and, you know, and all that sort of thing. Now you have to embrace all those feelings. You have to embrace all those thoughts, but when it comes down to each and every shot, you know what, it's just, it's kind of a circle, you know, you're going to, you're going to collect your data. You're going to pick your target out. You're going to go through your routine. You're going to walk in, you're going to execute the shot. You're going to react to it. And then you're going to do it again. And you're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. And you know, that that's kind of, I was, I've always been trained. I mean, it kind of seems simple, maybe even simple, stupid, but you know what, sometimes, sometimes keeping it that simple can be that much more effective. Yeah, that, that definitely seems really interesting and really helpful. So mm. you've won a lot of PJ golf tours, like we've said, the 2007 Masters, 2015 British Open, but you've admitted that you weren't the best high school and college golfer. Is that true? And could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. No, another good question. Um, yeah, you know, I, I grew up in the state of Iowa and uh, you know, I mean, for the most part, sports, sports was my childhood. I mean, it was you know, outside of going to school, you know, I was always looking at the clock. I'm like, okay, practice, let's go. You know, and regardless of what season it was, what sport it was, it didn't matter. I was just ready to go. Um, so playing all these different sports, you know, it's not like I selected one or picked one. I mean, really golf kind of picked me, I would say well into my high school years and at that point I mean I was I was decent you know I mean I, I I played I pursued it to some degree um I had a lot of peers and buddies that did it and they were pretty darn good too so in high school you know I was kind of a late bloomer um physically and I was also late in my I would say in my development of my of, of you know any sort of um athletic prowess I mean I was just late so um golf was kind of one of those sports where the playing field may kind of evened out. I mean, I could rely on short game. I could rely on touch. I could rely on, um, you know, making putts and that kind of thing rather than hitting it, you know, 400 yards or whatever you want to call it, 300, whatever. You're. So at that point, I really started to become more attracted to it. Eventually I earned my way to, you know, I, I made my way up team, you know, I mean, by my senior year, I might've played number one, in a couple tournaments, nothing significant. I mean, our number one man was really good. He's a good buddy of mine. He played college golf, um, et cetera. So I earned, I earned a scholarship to Drake University, and I 
took full advantages of that. And um, there, it's like I started all over again, you know. I mean, we had a good class. We had a really good freshman class. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if I ever played number one man in college. I, I can't really remember. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure my teammates would remember. But the point of that is if I did, it was a week, maybe. Um, one tournament, maybe. But, uh, again, I was – I progressed year after year after year after year. And I just, I just kept trying to get better, trying to get better, you know. Once high school was done, there's no other sports other than golf and school. So I go to college. It's just golf. It's just school. Those are my two focuses. And then after college, you know, I'm like, hey, this progression is still kind of, you know, it's, it's wavy, but it's, it's going up. It's trending. So I need, to, I need to see how far I can take this. And then I graduated, got my degree. And then once I turned professional and all of my work time was golf, that's when the real progression started. So that's that's awesome. You've basically worked, even though you were a late uh, late bloomer, as you said, you've worked your way up to obviously the top position. Yeah, that's I mean, incredible. You know, thank you. I mean, I uh, my my story is one I've kind of touched on a few parts of it, but I mean, I was just a kid who loved sports, had a dream of playing professional sports, and, and as outlandish as that really is, I mean, if you're going to break it down and get and be a realist and statistically, I mean, <laughs> let's, I, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's the 1% of the 1% of the 1%, right? I mean, it, it's not reality. Um, but again, I, ha I had that dream. Uh, I saw progression. I associated myself with great people, whether it was my teammates, my coaches, um, my teacher, you know, my swing coach, that kind of thing. Um, but I'd even, I'd even, get more specific and say, you know, it's not an easy endeavor because if I'm going to go play professional golf, I just graduated from college. How am I going to do that financially? Right. I mean, it's not like it's cheap. I'm not, it's not like, Hey, here's your professional card. There's the first tee. Good luck. No, it's not exactly that easy. So I had many, many, many people <clears throat> back, uh, back home that supported me from day one to just let a kid go chase his dream. And, you know, their intentions were to see me, uh, you know, to alleviate any sort of stress financially. So that was their, you know, main goal. And then obviously for me to go out and chase it. So I said I was going to give it two, maybe three years. And if I wasn't improving, well, then obviously you'd have to look yourself in the mirror and say, why aren't you improving and can you? <clears throat> so, um, excuse me, my second year, I got onto a, a different tour um, than the the so-called mini tours. And then from there, I think just kind of started to take off. I, I started working with a new coach who I am still working with Call it 21 years later. Um, that sort of thing. So I, again, I'm, I'm a product of, I would say some God given ability, no question, uh, whether it's physical ability or just, you know, the, um, intangible abilities. And then I'm also a product of good people. Uh, I, I can't stress that enough. I've got, I've got some, got some athleticism. I guess we call it, I don't know if golf's a sport, but we'll call it that. Uh, and I, I, you know, I think I do have a, a, a pretty decent, you know, I'm strong headed, probably stubborn at times, um, but strong headed, you know, my, my, the mental side of the game, it's when you get to the elite, the mental side of the game can set you apart to some degree. So I, I think I'm pretty good in that realm, but I'm, I was, and I still, 
am a product of really good people that trust in me, that encourage me, but more than that, challenge me and push me. Um, they make me uncomfortable. They, they just, you know, ask me all the right questions and they push me to be the best version of myself. Starts with, my wife, starts with my wife and you know that. Uh, but then it branches off. It branches off to my coaches, my team, my manager, um, my sponsors, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I can't think of another way to summarize it other than thank you, Lord. Thank you, people. That's incredible. So you have been playing professionally for over 20 years. Throughout those 20 years, have you ever had a favorite shot in any of your games? That's a good one. Uh, favorite shot specifically um yeah i mean i have a few i mean <clears throat> it's always the last shot of a tournament when you win there's <laughs> always a, uh i hope it's about that far sometimes it's not um because you don't want the pressure of having to put it but I, I shouldn't say that you do want the pressure that's that's why you work that's why you practice um i mean i've, I've got a few uh <clears throat> the, the one a couple that stand out right off the forefront was my first Ryder Cup, which I'm going to date myself. This is before y'all were born. Well, I know it's before Taylor was born. I don't know about you, Maddie, but it was in 2006. Were you born then? I was born November in 2006, so. Okay, this was September, so you were still waiting. Anyway, <laughs> um, September 2006, actually, my wife, Kim, was extremely pregnant because my son was born. Oh, this might have been late September. Yeah, it was late September, so he was born – help me out, Taylor – January 4. Wow. So, so she was – anyway, that's beside the point. Let me get to the shot. Um, I'm in my first Ryder Cup match of my entire career. Uh, I'm paired with a guy by the name of Chad Campbell, a uh, good friend, and we're playing Padraig Harrington, an Irish guy, and then his partner was Paul McGinley, another Irish guy, and we're playing in Ireland. Good luck. Anyway, wow. yeah, so we um, – I'm going to try to keep it as simple as possible. We're, we're – in, in the Ryder Cup, it's not a total score. It's it's hole by hole. It's a match, right? The more holes you win, you know, the, the quicker you can win the match, and you may not play all to 18 holes. But anyway, we're two holes down. We've got three holes left. And we're on 16, which is, uh, you know, the third to last hole. It's par five. Chad hit – we're playing alternate shot. So he hits, then I hit, I hit, et cetera, et cetera. And we get to 16, it's par five, we're two down. Chad hits a good drive. Our opponents hit a good drive. They laid up on a par five, so they're going to hit their third shot on the green. And we're, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm right in the middle of the fairway. I've got a number where I can get to the green, to the pin in two shots and give us a distinct advantage. But the elements are not easy. Obviously, the, the weight of the situation is not easy. There's a lot of factors involved. I got a wind I don't like. I've got a pin I don't like. I've got a creek in front of the green I do not like. I've got all these things I just don't like. <laughs> uh, and so I'm sitting there. It's just me and my caddy. And uh, I'm like, his name's Damon. I'm like, D, I don't, man, I mean, do we lay up and trust Chad's wedge game and I make a putt? Or do we give this thing a whirl? You know, I mean, do we get after it? I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I mean, full transparency i'm very nervous uh anyway in the router cup you have a captain right 
uh, as Taylor kind of alluded to, I've been vice captain now a couple of times. And so our captain at the time was Tom Lehman and he pulls up in his golf cart and I'm like, "Uh Oh, here we go. Uh, Hey captain. Uh, he's like, what's, what's going on guys? I'm like, well, got a shot here. You know, I don't really know what to do. I'm trying to indecisive. He's like, what's the match? I'm like, well, we're two down with three to go. Huh. Can you get there? I'm like, yeah, I can get there. Why is there any discussion needed? So anyway, there was actually a little bit of confidence instilled there. You know, when your captain, your leader comes up and says, you can hit it. You just got to go out and do it, you know, execute the shot, trust the shot and hit it. And I hit it to like 15 feet um, from the pin. And we won that hole. We, uh, we actually birdied the next hole and then they made a, a snake on us and halved it. And then we won the 18th hole. So we actually have the match. Uh, so we were two down and we actually tied the, tied the match. So that shot right there, even though it kind of seems mundane, it's just one three wood shot onto a green. But considering the, the, the circumstances, considering what I was up against and that I've never been in that position before, it's probably the one shot that stands out the most. That's incredible. That's a great that you just went for it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you have to, you know. I mean, oh, man, it, I, I'm glad it's done. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. speaking of your golfing career, you are also known, like you said, that you hit more precise rather than super far. Is there a reason why you adopt this strategy as opposed to other PGA golfers who normally hit it farther? Sure. Uh, well, you said adopt the strategy. I'm not so sure there is another strategy that I can actually implement because the opposite of trying to be precise would be, you know, hitting bombs and then, you know, trying to hit another bomb and hit another bomb. I, it's just <laughs> – my, my strategy is adopted because this is what I've been given. Um, I mean, there's something to be said about being consistent. That, that's everything around my golf game is just consistency. What area? You pick it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm trying to, again, again, keep it really, really simple. I'm trying to hit the middle of the fairway. I'm trying to put myself on the proper side of the green. I'm trying to make putts. And, I, you know, that sounds really, really simple, but that's the truth. So when it comes down to my specific strategy week in, week out, if I'm going to get more in detail, it's making my strengths even stronger. Excuse me. I, I know there's certain shots I just can't hit, and that's fine uh, because I can play my game and still succeed. I've seen it. I'll see it again. And, you know, it, it still works. It still has success. And it's not just me. It's my peers, too, that are like me. There's, I'm not the only one, obviously. Um, it still works. So <clears throat> when I say make my strength stronger, when I, when I practice, um, there's really three parts of my game that I focus on the most, two, two, two in particular. Number one is putting. It's the greatest of equalizers. It's, you know, as the old cliche says, you know, uh, hit for show, putt for dough. But it, it, more than that, it, it, it's, it's the one part of your game that if everything's off, it can equalize it and you can still kind of be in it. Um, that's number one. Number two would be my wedges. If I can't hit it 350 yards in the air, not that I can, but if I can't do that, then I need to put more pressure and actually utilize and I'd say rely on my wedges. Um, 
the clubs that are around the green the most, chipping, putt, chipping, pitching, and then 100 yards and in, basically is what I'm alluding to. So those would be one and two. And then number three would be my driver. If I don't get the ball in the fairway, then I'm not going to have success. So those three are just, you know, the three, usually my three, my three biggest strengths. I usually hit it pretty darn straight. I'm not the longest guy, but I usually get it on the green and occasionally I make putts. So if I can make my strengths stronger, then that's when true success can happen. Yes, I have seven, eight, nine other clubs in my golf bag that are important, but they're not the ones that are going to, you know, make Zach Johnson's name show at the top of the leaderboard each and every week. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. So basically you focus on your strengths, pet, um, putting, wedging, and driving. Correct. Well, and again, those aren't always my strengths, but if they become successful, if, they, if those if those aspects are strong, then I can succeed. Um, so they, they have, so my practice time has to be very efficient and very effective in that. I would say that those three in particular, my putter is probably a solid, I'd say 35, 40% of my practice. My wedges would be about 20%. My driver would be another 20%. And then whatever's left would be the other clubs, you know, is about 10%. So um, I don't know if that adds up to 100, but it's close. Anyway, <laughs> point is, I, 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 you know, if I go out to the range and just hit seven irons all day, that's not going to do me very good. So what advice do you have for teenagers who may want to become a professional golfer in their future? Whew. Well, uh, one, um, I would say re-examine your mind and maybe pick up another sport. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's very difficult. Uh, know that. Be honest with yourself that it's not, it's not exactly, you know, just because it's a great game and, and fun doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That goes for anything. I don't care what sport you're talking about. I don't care what uh, any any sort of endeavor, venture. I mean, <laughs> if you're talking, I don't I don't care what it is. I mean, business field, entrepreneurship, it, it doesn't matter. It's not going to be easy from the beginning. Um, but I would say, you know, at at the beginning, really try to um, dig deep into yourself and figure out if you have the right motives, the right intentions in this. That you're doing it you know, for the right reasons. Um, I, I would say that, you know, so, well, you know what, here, I'm going to get out my notes. Cause I get this question occasionally from like young pros or even young amateurs that, um, that really want to pursue the game and, and probably for the right reasons. But I mean, they're, they're, they're just say, Hey, what, what makes you successful and how, and, 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 and what, what are the, what are the attributes? So, if I were to really answer that question, there's five. This is this is kind of corny, but I'm I am corny. Taylor, don't don't nod your head. Uh, it's called Zach's five P's for successful golf. So it doesn't matter if you're ten or twenty-three. Um, you have to have a purpose. So in other words, it starts with a question: What is your purpose for playing competitive golf? Um, you know, for me, it's about utilizing my God-given ability to play the game that I love. It's my competitive outlet. It helps other people, meaning my family, uh, my sponsors, my fans, and my foundation, and the many ministries that my wife and I support. So in the end, for me, my purpose is to glorify God. So find out your purpose. Number two, priorities and perspective. Keep everything where they need to be. In other words, for me, 
especially professionally. Oops, are we still there? Yes, oh, okay. you're sure. My iPad went was bonkers. For me, <laughs> it, it's, if golf becomes my number one priority, then I got no chance. Does that make sense? It's my job. I love it. I love sports. I love competition. It's my job, but it's nothing really more than that, if that makes sense. Um, I don't want my golf to be my identity, nor do I want it to define me. Does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Number three, and I kind of talked about this earlier, put yourself around great people. I don't care who you're talking about. Obviously, your family, your coaches, uh, teammates, if you're in college, what have you, wh- whatever it may be. Just put yourself around great people because the more you're held accountable, the more there's trust, the more there's um, challenge, the better you can be. Number four is practice and preparation. Keep golf where it needs to be, but your practice better be efficient. It better be effective. Know how to prepare both on the golf course and off the golf course. In the gym, the mental side. Um, we talked about earlier, the technique, the fundamentals, the physical side. All of that needs to be have its place. And then number five for me is prayer. So that's how I'd summarize it. I mean, it's not easy. So I'm a faithful man. I, I feel like I need – I need every sort of boost I can get. And if I got, I got the Lord in my corner, well, hey, certainly it adds perspective. But more than that, it, it, it keeps golf in its place. That is definitely great advice. And that's a great way to live. So yeah. second to last question, but okay. what books have had an impact on you and why? Well, great question. Um, I've, got, I've got a few. I mean, you know, I know this is – your generation we're kind of talking to, but um, I have read, I like the J.R.R. Tolkien books. I mean, they're fantasy, but I just, I'm kind of going back to your all's ages and that kind of thing, whether it was the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings or any of those, those are great. Anything by C.S. Lewis is great. Um, you know, I kind of go back to authors. I mean, I'm, I'm 44 now, so I would say that my selection process is different. Um, in my golf world, uh, I have a, a mental coach. A uh, He's a sports psychologist, right? He works with a lot of golfers. He's worked with other athletes, football players, basketball players, teens. Even in the corporate level, he works um, with a number of companies. His name's Dr. Morris Pickens, also known as Dr. Mo. He's got a bunch of books out um, that revolve around certainly the mental side of things, but then also the spiritual side of things, how you can incorporate the two. Um, I shouldn't even say incorporate. It's almost like, you know, knowing what I know is in the Bible, that would be my number one book. But uh, knowing what I know is the Bible, it, it has everything. It, has, it, it, it really has every answer for every predicament and every, you know, in, in every issue, it can point you and direct you and lead you. And so Dr. Mo takes um, in his books um, the Bible and, and implements it into, I'd say, kind of a cool uh psychology kind of way so that would be up there those would be up there too there's a couple of them um i like anything by gary thomas who's an author and and a guy i've gotten to know through taylor's father and another friend of ours jonathan bird who plays professional golf he's he's got some really good books um just for the season of life you're in whether you're single married having kids etc 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 and then there's more that he's written as well so um those books stand out uh, right now. Uh, I'm actually reading a commentary on Isaiah, which is deep, but 
also good, um, challenging, relevant, always relevant. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but, um, you know, if we get into sports books, yeah, I mean, I, I like some autobiographies or biographies by other athletes, coaches, that kind of thing. There's always good lessons there. Um, Tony Dungy's got a great book. Payne Stewart's got some great books. Um, those would stand out, but, uh, you know, I, 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 that good. No, those, those sound like amazing books. I've read a couple of those and I can tell they're phenomenal books. They are. So our final question, and we okay. asked, so number, um, so this is number seven. So our last okay. question, okay. Uh, the, the question before we ask everyone and this question, we ask everyone we interview. So what advice do you have for teenagers in general? Who, what advice do I have for teenagers in general? Well, that's a really, really uh, deep question. One that can go a number of different ways. Um, number, there's, there's a couple of things. I, 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 would, I would really kind of, you know, when it comes to uh, being a kid at your, this, this time and this age, there's, there's a lot of craziness right now, right? I mean, there's a lot of chaos. <laughs> there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of... Um, I'd say even, uh, well, I mean, I mean, the phrase that we hear right now is it's just unprecedented times. And it is, I mean, it is, you know, and unfortunately you have a lot of issues right now that deal with humanity. I mean, and, and just deal with the core of being a good person. Um, and what you're called to be, what I think God says you're supposed to be, whether it's, you know, uh, just empathetic and sympathetic and that kind of thing, um, loving, but then you've also got this, others you know i'd say the political side of things and and all everything that goes along with that right now so it's just crazy there's a lot of craziness right now um so if i had a piece of advice i would say you know you you you, you hear all these media whether it's tv media social media print media whatever it is you're hearing you're hearing all of this fodder you're hearing all of this all of this about civil unrest and um just unfortunate circumstances and situations, right? That, that can be troubling. Um, but as a kid right now, I would kind of go back to what you know to be really true. Um, and sometimes having, even as an adult, I'd say this for anybody, but you know, for me, I get that question. Like, what, what are you, what are you holding on to right now? What are you, you know, what are you pursuing? What are you, how are you mentally, you know, trying to piece things together right now. And for me, it's going back to the truths. What do I know that's true? And that's what, what I know is true. It's whatever that Bible says. So I would say my best piece of advice is to know the Bible and know what the truths of the Bible are, because regardless of the circumstances around you, uh, as deep or as, you know, I'd say as punishing as they could be, um, whatever arrows are coming at you, the Lord will get you through it. That's my piece of advice. It, it, it could be as simple as a day-to-day, -day, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade, whatever you guys are going into day-to-day. -day. It could be encompassing of the whole year. It could be for a long stretch. It doesn't matter. There's, there's, you know, when there's so much going on in the world um, and you really don't know what's true. Actually, Taylor, I remember your dad and I had a conversation about this. You know, you, you read one thing and you read another thing that contradicts it. You really don't know what to be true. So then when the experts really do say what's true, you don't even know if that's true because you don't know if he's an expert or she's an expert. My point is what I know to be true is in 
is in that big book uh, we call the Word. So that's where I can go back to for anything and everything. So your advice is um, know the Bible and go back to the foundations of it, regardless of what's going on. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mr. Johnson. Um, thank My you pleasure. so much. You're so, welcome. Having me, girls. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks. All right. It. Thanks so much. Take care. Y'all be good. <laughs> I loved that interview. It was awesome because he is for sure the most big name guy that we've had on so far. And it's the first interview that Maddie and I have co-interviewed on. Yes, it was such a fun experience. And it was like a once-in-a-lifetime thing to, like, be able to talk to him. It was so cool. But I really liked how he kept going on about how, like, even though, like, he wasn't amazing and he, at golf when he started out and he just slowly kept working at it and he, he was just persevering so much and – he is phenomenal now, like phenomenal. And I love that it's just, he's kind of like a living testimony, like work hard, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, I love that too. And our first question was about his laser focus, which he's really well known for in the PGA and golfing world. And he said he basically just goes back to the basics and does what he knows because the basics are what got him here, got him to where he is now. And what goes hand in hand with that was his golfing strategy was when I practice, I practice what I know I'm good at so I can improve on it. I thought, mm -hmm. even if you don't play golf in any sport, that makes a lot of sense to do. Oh, yeah, definitely. A lot of people, when they turn professional, try to become better and change the way they do things. But that's not what got him into being a professional in the first place. And so I love that he's one of the very few, in my opinion, that is kind of doing it the right way. <laughs> Yes. And then the other thing was his advice to golfers themselves, like um, golfers who want to be professional golfers. And his advice, he had his five, his five things. And his five P's. His five P's. And I love that so much because it, he's obviously gets asked this question a lot and he put time and effort into actually making these up so he can have them on hand. Oh yeah, definitely. And they're great. You really need to live by that. Yes, and then last but not least was his advice. It was great advice. It really was. It was all of the stuff he said, I felt like, like the five Ps, how he just goes back to the basics, and all the books that he, like, said that he would recommend and kind of change his life. It's just, I feel like they're so all intertwined into, like, truly himself. Like, I love he just lives them out and it's evident in his character and his life and it's phenomenal advice that everyone needs to live by yes and what was so fun talking to him is a lot of people wonder if when celebrities go on air if they're really actually the, who they are on camera or on podcast or whatever you want to call it and he actually is because as we were talking to him he was actually very nice to us off off air and on air and Everything that he said is true about him. And yeah, that was he's, truly how he was acting. It wasn't any celebrity show he put on. Yeah, he's the same quality guy on and off camera, which is very awesome. Yes, totally. All right. So 
make sure you check out our Aiming for the Moon website. It's aimingforthemoon.com. No caps, no spaces, regular website. We have a blog. I already posted my um, Through the Gates of Splendor podcast thing. Uh, what's it called? Maddie's a, Matt, it's called Taylor's Opinion, but it's under the subject, under, in the category of Maddie's Opinion. That's kind of what it is, except it's not written by Maddie. <laughs> yeah. So we have another series that we're doing called Podcast Logs on our blog, and it's basically what it's like running a podcast from our perspective, and they're so fun to do. I love it so much. They are. They're really fun to write. Yes. And by the way, this week, we time of recording, which is uh, August 1st, we had a very productive week. <laughs> so, Seriously. Oh, yeah. So we've recorded several episodes this week, and yeah. We've got a bunch of great material in store for y'all, so keep listening. Yep. All right, so don't forget. Set your sights high. And aim for the moon.